Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. solar panels work in winter. Solar energy output in Australia throughout winter is surprisingly high in some cities. You can learn more about better solar energy at B-Solar. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. Welcome to the First Serve, your home of tennis. It certainly is. Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to the first serve. Monday, the 4th of April, we are always talking at the world of tennis uh, right throughout the year. Brett Phillips with you, and I'm opening it up to you for the whole hour tonight. We're going guest-free. Your calls right throughout the night. Anything you want to put on the tennis agenda, one 736 736 Would love to take your calls if you'd like to text, 0433981116. Thanks to our great friends at Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150. Visit their website tonight while you're listening to us, tennisdirect.com.au. You'll get that nice little 10% discount store-wide using the promo code FIRSTSERVE10. So on the B-Solar menu tonight, we'll uh, wrap up Miami in just a moment and all the other on-court action outside of Australia also here in Australia in the past week, uh, lots of other talking points in tennis. There's plenty of time for you tonight, as I mentioned. one 736 736 Punch that number into your phone and talk some tennis with me tonight. one 736 736 Just before we go to uh, the calls, I do want to remind everyone that uh, there is a lot going on at our website, thefirstserve.com.au. Some great reads. So go and check out our feature section, the latest news, huge wrap-up of uh, all the action from the weekend by our team, Fraser Douglas, uh, Maiton uh, Slonim, of course, uh, Alex Johnston, uh, Jed Zetzer, all part of our team, Todd Scala writing some great articles, uh, Courtney Walsh with a great read today, award-winning uh, tennis writer, of course, about paddle tennis and its strong emergence around the world and Val Febo so long to advantage final sets. In fact, I'll get to Val in a quote that he said in uh, just a moment. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you'd like to give us a call. Paul, right off the uh, the top of the show tonight from Camberwell. G'day, Paul. Good to have you on the show. Hey, Brad. How are you tonight? Going well, thank you. That's good. Um, just wanted to talk about, obviously, Ash Barty, the gracefulness, and then uh, I don't think we need to discuss um, how good that lady is and what she's done for tennis and moving forward. Um, have you convinced yourself that Nick Kyrgios is uh, a, an absolute flog to the highest nth degree? Well, he's on the B-Solar menu tonight, uh, Paul, because we we, uh, we do need to uh, discuss the events of uh, last week. And, oh, look, Paul... I mean, I feel like I've been talking about yeah, Nick Kyrgios for so long. I have, I've you know, openly stated here that I I do have serious uh, Nick fatigue um, because it's sort of a repeat of the repeat of the repeat. I'm not a fan of repeat offenders. <laughs> I appreciate if you want to be a bit different in life, I have no issue. I have lots of people in my life who all go to the beat of a different drum. 
Okay, and that's what makes the world fascinating. But uh, I think we're really suffering from uh, uh, Nick fatigue, to be totally honest. And he's trying to work himself out, you know, on court, off court. When you're not in the inner sanctum of his life and you're trying not to character assassinate, right? So our job here is to uh, commentate on the tennis, to comment, to analyse. That's that's what it's all about. And you, you you pay the compliments where they're deserved and you have to be honest and candid and call people out when it's just not right. And I'm going to get onto the real positive in a moment of Carlos Alcaraz, because if we could have Carlos Alcaraz with AUS in brackets next to his name, my goodness, would we be blessed, absolutely blessed to have Carlos Alcaraz, because we're getting Rafael Nadal take two. We're getting a young guy with great humility, a young guy who doesn't smash rackets, he behaves himself. He embraces being a professional athlete. And, you know, if only Nick Kyrgios wanted to just concentrate on tennis, but that's not going to happen, right? So he is who he is. And I, I, I tried to take out the emotion uh, some time ago that I said in at the press conference at Indian Wells when he absolutely belittled uh, two journalists, one that I respect enormously in Chris Cleary, arguably the best tennis writer going around from the New York Times. So... Yeah, uh, it's it's a tough one for me to try and understand, uh, to be honest, Paul. And it's just a shame that here in Australia, if I just call it candidly, we drew the short straw. Gee, I've been waiting for Harry from Belmore to come back on the show. H, where have you been? Brett, look, I heard Nick Bolateri's name mentioned the other day. Nothing happened to him, did it? I think he's still with us. I, saw, uh, I think I saw... A bit of vision of him in Florida with one of the young players or a coach who's yeah. taking his counsel. No, he's still absolutely with us, Harry. Oh, yeah. One of his best protégés was Andre Agassi. Indeed. He made that. But Harry Hopman went over there and started a tennis camp in uh, the opposition to Nick. And now Paul McNamee went over to Harry's camp for six months and came back a very good player. He did. Is, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, Paul played one Davis Cup and won his singles. Uh, didn't didn't beat a very strong country. But uh, nothing. Uh, listen, this uh, new player, who is he? The left-hander. I, I've been hearing some raps about him. The left-hander? New player? You're not talking... You don't mean Carlos Alcaraz? That's him, yeah. He's a right-hander. But he's, he's a right-hander, is he? He's absolutely brilliant. You're going to hear from him, Harry, in just a moment. We're going to dedicate a bit of time to Carlos Elcaraz. I mean, I've never been more excited about a young player in the game. What he is doing right now, Harry, is absolutely phenomenal. And if we go back, what, 17 years ago, it was an 18-year-old Rafael Nadal winning a French Open, winning Masters 1000 titles. Gee, Spain are going to produce two absolute superstars. This guy is the real deal. Physically built, he has got a great head on his shoulders. He plays every shot in the book. There's no weakness, absolutely no weakness. He's 11 in the world at 18. Oh, it just blows my mind, Harry. Absolutely blows my mind. Where have you been, by the way, the last few weeks? You've been missing. I've been uh, uh, commenting on the rugby league. Have you? Right, huh? Well, hey, listen, you've got to 
got to keep joining us on a Monday night. We always love your calls. Anything you want to leave us with? Uh, well, uh, Rafael Nadal came out here and he played Leighton Newitt in the second round of a tournament. And uh, Leighton beat him in four sets. But uh, after, after that, Rafael improved so much. <laughs> I've never seen a player improve so much. And Leighton, he, after uh, his Australian semi final, he played, uh, he lost in so many first rounds. And they always yep. said how brave he was, but, but they never gave credit to the player who beat him. No, that's very, very true. Uh, Harry, I always get a lot of messages to say, give Harry some really good airtime. So, mate, you've covered some ground for us uh, tonight. How about Rafa? He's gone on 21 majors later. And. Uh, more to come. And then we've got this guy, Alcaraz. Unfortunately, he's going to play in the era. And Todd Scala's wrote, written a great article on our website, which has only gone up a few hours ago at thefirstserve.com.au, why men's tennis is about to look like women's tennis. Because we're getting Djokovic and Nadal getting close to the end. Rogers, obviously done, if not just about done. We're not going to see him have any great impact on the tennis court, I don't think, from here. So there's a lot of these guys now. They're going to be sharing titles. I'm not going to get the records that the big three have got, but Carlos Elcaraz, uh, boy, oh, boy, he is something else. Harry, thank you. Aaron's in Airport West. Aaron, welcome to the first serve. G'day, Aaron. Aaron, we got you there. We got you there, mate. Hello. No. What happens there? He's there. He's not there. He's gone. Aaron, give us a call back at one 736 736 Let's tap into Carlos Alcaraz. He won today in Miami. It was worth wiping the sleep out of my eyes to get up and watch the young gun from Spain. He masters the field in Miami. Carlos Alcaraz shines brightest in the Sunshine State as champion of the Miami Open. And ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you your play. to say thank you to all my team, my family. I'm glad to have my father with me in this tournament. This is very amazing to, to share this kind of moment with the family, with, with my team. Juan Carlos came yesterday, tough moment for him. And yeah, I, I want to say thank you to, to him to come and stay with me in this important moment for, for me, for my career. So it's uh, pretty pretty amazing to, to share the, this thing with, with you. I want to talk just quickly, tactically, about what you did today. Most of your rally balls all went through the backhand today and it allowed you to kind of move forward with the forehand and then the backhand down the line. Was that the play through when you started? Yes, of course. I mean, I, I knew that Casper uh, is playing unbelievable. He has a big forehand. I tried to, to play to his uh, backhand first and to, well, attack all the time, you know. Uh, I'm trying to, to go to, to attack, to uh, trying to not let him uh, dominate the, the match. And, uh, yeah, with the forehand down the line, backhand down the line, it was, uh, was a pretty, pretty good key for me. First of all, I think I would like to congratulate Carlos. You're such a good player already. You're so young. If you continue like this, you will stand here many more times. I'm sure of it. You're a super nice guy, a hard worker. And to you and your team, I wish you all the best. Whatever you may achieve in the future, it's well earned. And uh, I respect you a lot as a, as a person and a player. Well, that was the voice of Casper Rude at the end. He called out Nick Kyrgios about three years ago. He's a well-spoken young guy, Norwegian. He's up to seven in the world. He's just put together a, a great body of work the last uh, two years.
Let's break down all the winners thanks to AATC, Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches, providing quality coach education across the globe. Uh, courses delivered by industry leaders and tennis business owners. Learn locally, coach globally, internationally endorsed. Inquire and enrol at AATC.tennis. Uh, so we heard the chat there. Uh, courtside in the presentation, biggest ATP title of his uh, career, youngest Miami champion, third youngest ATP Masters 1000 champion. He's up to 11 in the world, Carlos, and he is going to be the world number one at some point. Mark it down. It's just there's no doubt, absolutely no doubt in my mind. This guy has everything to be the best in the game and to be able to sustain it. And lucky enough at Indian Wells to go out and watch him train and... It's like watching the Dale train. The Dale train's like he's playing a match. He simulates those match conditions. Carlos has made of the same stuff. So he's got the Dale around him, but then he's got the former world number one in Juan Carlos Ferrero, who knocked back an opportunity to coach Simona Hallett when Darren Carr wanted a break about three years ago. He said to Juan Carlos, do you want to take on Simona for a little while? And he said, hey, I've got a 15-year-old who's into my academy, and I reckon he's got a bit of talent. I'm going to stick with him. Three years later, he's the world number 11. Bloody good move. So Juan Carlos is uh, doing some uh, pretty magic stuff. Casper Rude uh, putting himself right in the mix there. So he's obviously been a great clay quarter. Now starting to win some events on hard court. Stepping up, though, at a Masters 1000 tournament and making the final was a testament to his continued improvement. So just rankings-wise, Novak, uh, well, he's just clear of Daniil Medvedev at the moment. The news about Medvedev having the hernia operation. He's going to miss one to two months, so... Uh, he's never been a big fan of the clay, uh, Daniil, so probably comes at the right time. As Zverev uh, replaces Nadal at three. Rude replaced Rublev at seven. Cam Norrie jumps back up to 10. Kachmanovic up to uh, 38 with his quarterfinal. And Francisco Sarandolo, the Argentinian, what a breakout week. He'd never won uh, a match at uh, at this level. Uh, semi-final, up 52 spots to 51. Taylor Fritz, always tough to back up and do the sunshine swing. Uh, went out fourth round to Kecmanovic, who'd beaten him at uh, Indian Wells. So that was uh, pretty tough. But well done to Carlos Elcarez. Can't sing his praises enough. Aaron at Airport West, let's go a take two. Uh, As great to have you on the show. BP, you got me? Gotcha. What do you got? All right. So we're talking, great man, we're talking about the hottest woman on the tour right now, oh. Iga Swantek. Oh. 500s, 1,000, Grand yep. Slam final, six wins, yep. 12 sets, one, zero lost in, Look. in her career so far. She's she's on fire, sunshine doubles. Yep. She could be the next big thing right now. Well, you know, officially the world number one, what she's about 1,700 points clear of Krachikova, who didn't play through injury. So she gets a little leg up with the retirement of Ash Barty, but she has earned the number one uh, ranking, uh, winning those two big tournaments outside of the majors uh, back-to-back. Look, I agree, and I, I love her game. I mean, we saw her emerge to win a French Open at a young age, you know, she's surrounded herself with great people. She's made a few changes in her coaching team, but she's one of the first to, you know, have a full-time psychologist on the road with her. She was trying to be this perfect sports person, and the psychologist said, well, you're going to win in lots of different ways. Some days you win a little bit ugly, when it doesn't necessarily come out of the middle of the strings, but you, you've just got to find a way to win, and that's what she that's what she's done. I mean, she changes direction. She takes the ball early. She's a nightmare, an absolute nightmare to play, and she's a, a terrific uh, terrific person as well. So, yeah, I can't sing her praises enough. Aaron, just a quick word on Naomi Osaka. I mean, she seems to be in a better frame of mind. That last set, I mean, she was absolutely obliterated. What was that, Sunday morning our time? But what did you take out of it for Osaka? 
Yeah, I think she was just uh, getting beaten by a better player. I mean, to get a bagel in that second set, I don't know. I think she's, I think she's back. She'll she'll be fine. But um, a little bit of work to do yet, I think. So. Yeah, I was looking down. Yeah. I was looking down at you know who are going to be the real contenders now. Now that Ash is gone, the you know the door opens up even more. Thank you, Aaron, for your call. Really appreciate it. And you know, Krachigova. I mean, I couldn't see her if I'm being blatantly honest, winning another major. Uh, Bedosa, you would think is in the mix. Sakari definitely in the mix. You know, Coco Goff at some point. What a foundation she's laid. I mean, you know, 15 in the world at what 18 years of age, and then just throw a blanket over everyone. Throw an absolute blanket, and we've seen. What, since 2017, every year since 2017, we've had different winners. And then it's been Osaka who's won four, Barty's won three, Halep's won a couple. So predicting women's tennis is is damn tough. Uh, Brett, to off the text from Chris, what about Denis Shapovalov? Well, he's thereabouts at the moment. Jamie Delgado, you know, early stages of that coach-player relationship, Chris. You know, Felix has gone above him to get inside the top ten. And, you know, these two young Canadians who are going to, certainly going to stay around the pointy end. You can't see them dropping off. Who's got the most upside? I mean, certainly Dennis has got the more dynamic game, but you would say that Felix has got the game that's a little bit more reliable. It's a bit more stable. And you could back it in, perhaps, in those bigger matches. But, yeah, look, I think Dennis, um, you know, will continue to evolve. I mean, he's got the all-court game, Shapovalov, and he's attacking so he's trying to learn when to pull the trigger, when not to pull the trigger, when to play with a bit more margin rather than going for the you know, the winning shot so early in the rally. So he's learning all these things, but you don't want to take away his natural flair either because that's what's got him to the position that he's in. So it's all the little modifications that you've got to make. And you know, he's a confident young guy, Dennis. I mean, I, I love watching him play, and I think he's got the game that can certainly win a Grand Slam at some point. But as I mentioned, and that article that Todd's written today... It's going to be tough now for all the men like the women. When does your window come? When does your little opportunity come to uh, to win a major? So, you know, in Dennis's case, you might only get one or two chances in the next five to ten years. Who knows? It's all ahead of us. We'll take a break. We'll come back. There's plenty more to dissect. Love your calls tonight. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I'll get to plenty on the text. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B-Solar advisor. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management. And glgcorp.com, the first serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to the first serve Monday night. As always, we are talking the world of tennis. Uh, Brett Phillips with you. Over to you tonight. One three hundred seven three six seven three six or on the text oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. I did need to get this in. I meant to do this earlier uh, for Carlos Elcaraz. You know, I'm in a few little WhatsApp groups and with people who love their tennis and we talk about it, the positives, uh, the negatives. But uh, Val Febo, who's a big part of our team, uh, writing some uh, great content on our website, thefirstserve.com.au. He said, I don't care who knows this. Carlos Elcaraz gives me arousals. Now, Rod, my man at the back's gone digging for some appropriate music. Gee, where have you, where have you gone back to? At 1974? The year I was born? <laughs> oh, Val. This is what this young man's doing to us. We've all got a man crush. 
It's a bromance for Carlos Alcaraz. He is something else, something else. I want to get on a plane now and just spend the rest of the year uh, on the road. Uh, Igish Fiontek, we've sort of touched on her with Aaron, but let's hear from her and her great win back-to-back, Indian Wells and Miami. Incredible, Iga. She storms to the Miami Open title and becomes just the fourth woman to complete the Sunshine Double. And she's the first since Serena nine years ago to win three straight WTA 1000s. Super tired, honestly. These weeks were so intense. I didn't really know if you know I'm gonna be able to keep up with the streak that I that I have. And um, it's amazing for me that you know I could show mental toughness because you know my whole life I thought I'm, I can do more. And sometimes I was uh, losing. I didn't even know why. And right now this season I feel like everything clicked. So it's great. And I'm really happy. Naomi can be such a difficult opponent. You made sure you didn't let her even sneak in for just a moment. Why were you so dangerous for her today? Well, I think I was, you know, approaching her second serves pretty well. Um, and I wanted to pressure her. But, you know, honestly, I feel like I'm, even though I played so many matches physically, I can run to every ball and I wanted to have something from that. So I didn't really care if the rallies were short or long. I was running to everything and I gave my all, you know. Okay, you're running into Monday. Number one in the world didn't just happen to you. You made it happen. How special does it feel that on Monday you are the number one player in the world? Well, you know, I would say before that tournament I thought, okay, I'm number one, but I thought it's going to happen a different way, you know, because I didn't really know if I actually deserve it. Right now maybe I'm going to believe it a little bit more because this, this tournament was really, really tough and winning it such a way, it's going to give me, you know, huge confidence, but also kind of trust in myself that I can, you know, keep going no matter if I'm tired, no matter if something is off, I can just, you know, play, dominate. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. I think we all know you're going to be the very same and humble Iga on Monday that you are today. Let's go okay. get you a trophy. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Right. I was born to do that. Born to do that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, talking to Andrew Krasny, uh, the great court announcer at uh, all the uh, US uh, tournaments. Uh, she plays quick. She talks quick. She reminds me of Anna Ivanovic every time I um, hear Iga speak. But going to you know, sort of listen to her up close at Indian Wells, I mean, she's just fantastic. Got a great team, as I mentioned, around her. And, you know, officially now the world number one. 17-match win streak. Fourth youngest to win Miami and Indian Wells back-to-back. Third consecutive WTA 1000 title. Sixth WTA singles title. She beat Astra Sharma, our very own. She beat Angie Kerber. Got the walkover against Mukova, beat Alison Risk, fired up Danielle Collins, and then Osaka in the final obliterated Naomi in the second set uh, with the bagel there, 6-4, 6-love. But Osaka jumps out 42 spots to 35. So at least she's in a good frame of mind. That's the most important thing, her health and well-being and being in the right mind to play professional tennis. So we'll see if Naomi is really up for the challenge here because she's the standout. And her ranking, certainly right now, doesn't uh, reflect her ability, clearly. Uh, but she's been through this up-and-down roller coaster, as we know, in the last uh, one to two years. Uh, but now that Ash is retired, I mean, that's the Sviontek Osaka. If they can develop a rivalry and Naomi can rise back up quickly again, uh, that could be a great thing for women's tennis. Um, I didn't see that comment on the screen. Nick Boloteri, I think it was Harry, referring to Nick before, featured on Bianca Andrescu's uh, Instagram. Thanks, Judy. So, uh, yeah, I think she's going to be back in the next week or so. Uh, Andrescu to play. I saw Stephanie Miles tweeting that out today, a well-known Canadian journalist. So fingers crossed that uh, she can be injury-free uh, from this time. So, uh, yeah, it'd be nice to 
Nice to see her just get some continuity uh, into her tennis. I mean, it's been so stop-start, winning a US Open at, you know, just 19 years of age, and she spent more time off-court, and she is just a star. I mean, every time she plays, she has an incredible impact on the tennis court, and and she just wins matches, but we just don't see her enough. one 736 on the text. Uh, we're going to go up to the Harbour City. Peter, great to have you on the show. Hi, Brett. How are you? Pretty good. What do you yeah, got for me tonight? I was just reading an article the other day. A young player, um, Elizabeth Manlich, she's the daughter of Hannah Manlikova. And she's, right. apparently she's, um, she's, she's won quite a few uh, lower tier events and she's about to sort of start making her mark. I don't know. I want to know if you know much about her. What was her first name again? Elizabeth Mandlick. Mandlick. Okay. I'm going to yeah. jot that down if I can actually find a pen. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'll... Uh... I'll note that, and I'll do a little bit of work on that uh, during the week. There you go. Um, anything else, Pete? You got for me? No, that's all. That's about it, really. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. I like the uh, like names of the future that we can keep an eye on. Thank you, Pete. I'll uh, do some digging and come back with something on that uh, for next week's show. Uh, just the other bit of news out of Miami: Joe Salisbury becoming the world number one doubles player. So we've seen Jamie Murray in the past from a GB point of view. Andy Murray, of course, in singles, he replaces uh, Marte Pavic as the world number one doubles player as a result of Miami, but it was her catch and Isna who took out the title. He'll be winning the singles last year in the doubles uh, this year. On the women's side, it was Laura Sigamund and Vera Zvonareva who won the doubles in Miami. Just a quick wrap of the other uh, key tennis tournaments over the last uh, week. So there was the WTA 125 in Marbella in Spain, taking out by Egypt's uh, Maya Sharif. She's actually a really good story because there's only four women who are ranked from Egypt. And she is the clear leader in that regard, uh, 61 in the world, and uh, someone who's just sort of flown under the radar. She's made a really rapid rise in the last uh, couple of years. Now, on the challenger circuit, Jack Draper. This is a young man we need to... Uh, if you don't know about Jack Draper, you're going to be knowing a fair bit about him in the next 12 months. So he has risen this year from 262 to 124. He's won his fourth challenger title over the weekend. He's only 20 years of age. Uh, we saw him have the win in Miami at the start of that tournament. If you go back 12 months later, he had to, I think he had to retire or he, he really petered out of that first round match. Physically, just wasn't born to play in the uh, Miami humidity, but he's come a long way. Tim Hemman has been a bit of an influence and uh, GB looking you know, for that next young star to really emerge. So look out for Jack Draper. There's a great write-up on our website and we are trying to hunt down uh, Jack to have a bit of a, a chat to us. Uh, on the challenger circuit, uh, Jean Muna, the Spaniard, uh, he won, of course, in Marbella, up 11 spots to 78. So he's been as high as 52. He's won his seventh at that level. So he's one of many Spaniards. He's got a lot of depth, a bit like the French inside the uh, top 100. But he hasn't quite been able to uh, elevate himself to that next level. But he's got certainly some time on his side as far as his age is concerned. Uh, Luca Nardi, now we speak about the strength of Italian tennis and all the players emerging inside the top 100. So he's an 18-year-old. He's up uh, 66 spots to a career-high 231. So he's gone from just inside the top 400 this year, closing in on the uh, top 200. So one to certainly note who won the uh, tournament in Lugano in Switzerland over the weekend. And at the other end of the spectrum, a man who's been on the tour for quite some time uh, from Portugal, uh, Gasto Elias, uh, of course, 31-year-old. He turned pro back in 2008, uh, has been as high as 57. He won the Challenger in Portugal on home soil on the weekend. So 
He's back inside the top 200. And uh, for Kindu Bagnus, the top seed, uh, won the uh, tournament, the Argentinium in Colombia, 32 years of age. He also turned pro back in 2008. So a mixture of the young and some of the veterans uh, winning on the ATP Challenger Tour. Closer to home, uh, we had uh, Canberra. Uh, so really wrapping up the Australian Pro Tour for this period of the year. Now the Australians will spread all over the world and some will come back and uh, resume playing on the Pro Tour here in Australia come September. But Olivia Gadecki, who's probably our brightest hope right now from a, a female point of view. I mean, it's certainly changed the landscape with Ash retiring. It's left, you know, if we're being brutally honest, the cupboard looks a little bare in terms of trying to produce the next female Grand Slam champion from Australia. But she uh, went down in her semi-final, but a year after not having the COVID jab and not playing any part in January, which was a real shame, uh, she's, what, 19-6 and six since the start of Feb. So she's been runner-up three times, a semi-final, two times quarter-finalist. She's at 167 live now at 19 years of age. And I was watching quite a few of her matches in Canberra last week, and she's certainly got the talent. But I got this feedback from Peter uh, in the uh, first-serve mailbag during the week, and he said, there's only Gadecki with any hope as the ship has sailed for Hon, Cabrera, Beryl, Unfortunately for Olivia, who I both know and respect, she has a great serve, excellent forehand, reliable backhand, plus she can slice and add to these fundamentals she can finish at the net. The ball speed at the next level, 100 to 200, won't be a problem. However, her movement will always be a big handbrake and will prevent her from being a permanent top 100 player. However, she's a Grand Slam winning doubles player, which is great, but not going to energise Australian tennis. We will not have a top... 10 Australian female within the next 10 years, but probably back to decades as the cupboard from the past 10 years of mediocrity by Tennis Australia and the women's program will haunt us. The price the women's game here will pay for the retirement of Ash is incalculable, but I admire her for the decision as pro tennis is a very, very difficult life choice. If you've got a view on Olivia Gadecki and where her ceiling is, let us know tonight. one three hundred seven three six seven three six or on the text 0433981116. On the men's side, Jason Kubler, who have always been a massive fan of. He's got enormous talent, Jason. Unfortunately, injuries have derailed a lot of his career, but he went back-to-back -back, uh, to round out the Australian tournaments. Uh, one six six three seven six over Omar Jaseka. So he's 13-4 this year. He's inside the top 200. If he could just play and have no injuries, to me, he would be a permanent top 100 player. Been great to see Omar come back. Been watching a lot of his matches. He's got himself super fit, and he's just trying to build that ranking from a long way back. So uh, let's hope he can just have a really good year, Omar, because I reckon he could make some really, uh, really quick steps. And Eddie Winter, uh, the young 17-year-old who we watched in qualifying at the Australian Open this year from Adelaide. He won the junior tournament over in Mexico, his fifth junior title. So he's one in the junior ranks that, you know, we can just keep an eye on, maybe with a little bit of optimism. Uh, all that news thanks to Melbourne's uh, leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialist, Asti Tennis Courts. They're trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. Check out aste.com.au. Your calls, texts and plenty more on the agenda next. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With V-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a V-Solar advisor. Visit v.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management. And glgcorp.com, the first serve, your home of tennis. Your home of tennis uh, every Monday night on the radio. Plenty of podcasts around as well. In fact, uh, Jed Setzer 
has just caught up with uh, Michael Legazzo the last uh, few days. Well-known coach in uh, Melbourne. He's got a lot of good stories uh, to tell. It's up on our website, thefirstserve.com.au. Here's a little snippet of Michael just talking about a moment that he absolutely loved uh, during his uh, career as a coach and a player. Look, I think one of the best experiences I had was being Steffi Graf's hitting partner at the AO in 96. I remember meeting them at the Como Hotel and, and having breakfast with them. That was the first time I met them. That is awesome. Going there. And so that was the cool thing. Another, I think, I mean, there's a couple. Another one was when I was living in New York, John McEnroe would come in and hit with a lot of the pros at the at the club, a lot of the coaches, and I also had that opportunity. So I got the opportunity to, to hit with him, play a set against him. Wow. Um, there, So that was That's surreal, crazy. like standing on the other side and seeing that service action and trying to pick it, and that was pretty cool. Two that I'd probably stand out for me is having been able to, to have those experiences. And look, and if I hadn't you know, played tennis, gone through everything I've gone through, I probably would never have had those experiences. So that was pretty cool. And just to see that they were just normal, you know, normal people and treated you with respect, treated you normally. And, and that's also something I've probably learned is no matter who you are, what you've done, at the end of the day, you're still a person and everyone deserves the same respect that you give to everyone else. Well said. Well said indeed. Michael Legazzo, great chat. That full chat you can either catch it by subscribing to The First Serve. So whatever podcast platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, whatever you get your podcasts on, uh, you'll get all our content there. You can also go on our website, thefirstserve.com.au, go to the podcast section. Michael Legazzo, the latest guest there with Jed Setzer, who's going to have some great chats throughout the year. Uh, Play USA, our first edition, the second instalment of that, will be coming out this week. Uh, there's a few more in the pipeline during the month of April. So just an, a nice little library of content for you outside of our show on a Monday night that you can consume uh, when it certainly suits you, whether you're in the car, walking the dog, uh, whatever you might be doing. What's coming up this week? Uh, Houston, ATP 250. So last week on the road for Nick Kyrgios before he comes home uh, for a spell because he's not keen to uh, play the clay court season. He's made that well known, but he'll play on the uh, green clay of uh, Houston. He's going to take on Mackenzie McDowell in the first round. Max Purcell qualify, which is great for Max uh, to take on Pablo Cuevas, the uh, veteran Uruguayan. And Jordan Thompson trying to find some form up against Stephen Diaz, the lucky loser from uh, Canada. Uh, Matthew Ebden and Max Purcell will play in the doubles. Luke Saville and JP Smith, uh, Kyrgios and Sock will team up there as well. Uh, Alexi Popram is in Marrakesh in Morocco this week, so due to play a qualifier, I think those uh, final qualifying matches are on, in fact, as we speak. So Alexi's opponent to be determined there. And, of course, uh, the women are in Charleston, so Ila Tomjanovic will also play a a qualifier. Astra Sharma's going to be in Bogota at the WTA 250 as the seventh seed. She'll also play in the doubles uh, this week. Uh, Anastasia Rodionova, there's a blast from the past. I knew Arena was still playing, didn't know Anastasia was having a little hit, but she's found her way onto the um, the draw for Charleston with uh, Ludmilla Kitchnock. I have nightmares of the Kitchnock sisters when I was doing the uh, Fed Cup in Canberra a few years ago. They made the lake switch, didn't tell the court announcer, introduced the wrong sister, and then the sister who played, we didn't have a bio ready, and she'd only played two matches, had a ranking of uh, 1,060. Uh, so we were trying to certainly pump that, that up. Uh, Bernard Tomic is on court this week. Mexico City for Bernie. He's the alternate. He's taking on Jay Clark of Great Britain, so that's an ATP challenger. 
So he's uh, talked a lot about uh, wanting to really resurrect his career and doing everything right, but let's see if it actually translates into anything uh, decent off-court. Chris O'Connell playing this week in Portugal. He's playing a challenger there. So Chris, like a few of these Aussie men at the moment, there's this batch, isn't there? Vukic, O'Connell, Purcell, Bolt, Kubler, in that sort of graveyard area between 100 and 200, trying to get out. It's not easy. The margins are small. He's certainly capable, though. Akira Santaland, uh, Rinky Hijikata. He's a young man we can certainly have a lot of optimism around. Rinky has had a great year. He's 23-7. and seven. He's up to 260 in the world. Real upside for the young 21-year-old. Uh, so great to see him step up from the ITFs to play uh, the challenger in Ecuador. He's covering a bit of ground, Rinky, like... Uh, a lot of players around the world. I mean, a lot of our Australians have been playing here the last uh, couple of months, but Rinky, I mean, he's had exposure playing over in college the last uh, couple of years, so he's been on the road a little bit more, and Akira Sandland has got one of the best backhands going around. Let's see if he can uh, possibly put some good form together. Uh, one 736 736 You can go shopping at tennisdirect.com.au, Australia's favourite online tennis store, fast delivery, great prices. Use that promo code, first serve one zero. And you'll get a nice little uh, discount. I thought we might just quickly do an Aussie watch. Three months into the year, just where do our Aussies stand right now? So Alex Dimonor, he's 12 and 6. Ranking's gone from 34 to 25. Fourth round Australian Open, quarterfinal Rotterdam. Fourth round Indian Wells. Look, I think there's going to be some upside for Alex. It'd be nice to see if he can get back inside the top 20 by year's end. We know about a year ago, he got to 15 in the world. But he's getting everything out of himself. And you're only blessed with what you're blessed with. So he's trying his hardest. I know he is. I think everyone can see that. It's easy to gravitate to this young guy because you watch him in practice. You watch his matches. He's diligent. He's had Adolfo there. He's coached there for some time. And uh, just trying to find the little the little extra bits that can just uh, win him some matches. Gee, he'd love to get a win against Stefano Sitsipas. That drought continuing at Miami. James Duckworth, obviously he's injured at the moment, which is a real shame for James. When he got to 46, 71 at the moment, he's only played the three matches this year, a couple at the ATP Cup and that one match at the Australian Open. He's had a wretched run with injury, so it's a shame that struck again. John Millman, I think John's where we probably think he's going to be at at this stage of his career. He's 33 now, he's 75 in the world, it's a little up and down. His matches are always super competitive, but you know, no doubt he's probably had that window to get to 33 in the world and tough to get back there now just with the calibre of player around John but we know that he's going to compete uh, like his life depends on it uh, made the semis of course at Delray Beach this year Jordan Thompson no doubt things are just stalled for Jordan and when he got to 43 he's at 83 now uh, like uh, Milman he's in his matches he just doesn't possess the big weapons he's 27 now so the clock ticking a little for Jordan but Certainly capable of staying inside the top 100. If you can stay inside the top 100 for a good five to 10 years, then you're doing pretty well in professional tennis. And sometimes you just can't clear that hurdle. Not not through lack of effort, certainly from Jordan Thompson. So quarterfinal in Dallas this year. The Nasi Kokonakis, there's the real upside with Demonor. He's 12 and 6. He's gone from 171 to 85. We expect that to keep coming down. Semi-final in Adelaide, won the second Tournament in Adelaide, uh, quarterfinal, uh, qualified, sorry, for Indian Wells. Uh, Miami fourth round. He's come back to Australia for a little break now before attacking the clay just to make sure the body's uh, nice and sound. And all we can hope is he just keeps playing tennis as much as he can and keeps having that continuity 
because uh, he's got the game. No doubt that can take him to the top 50. Uh, Nick Kyrgios sitting at 94, so we know it's just going to be a, a part-time affair with Nick and or to see where it lands, but he's got himself back inside the top 100. Alexi Poprin is probably the concern for me at the moment, just where he's going, and the coaching relationship with Craig O'Shennessy, who we caught up with at Indian Wells. It's been a lean year for Alexi, three and nine. I mean, he's still got a lot of time to develop. He's only 22, and I suppose there's always that comparison with, you know, Demon Orr and the trajectory they've both gone on. Alex has certainly um, risen to a totally different level. Uh, but I just wonder where the Alexi Poprin game is... Just going to stand up in the huge mix of plays where the margins are pretty small. He plays a lot of uh, tight, competitive matches. He's certainly got that easy power. He's got a big serve, good forehand. But there's got to be some more parts added to the uh, Popperin game, no doubt, if he's going to break down some of these uh, bigger players. So that's a look at the men. We know the women's is a little lean now. Tom Yanovic at 39, which, has been, which is close to her career ranking. I think we all think Isla's capable of cracking the top 30. But she just can't seem to win those matches you would expect her to win. But she's doing a feature, I think, on the tennis channel, her tennis life, which takes you behind the scenes. And you know, she's got a good team around her. Her father's you know, worked pretty pretty hard with her, the, the fitness crew, you know, trying to get her to the next level. Technically, you know, pretty sound, but small margins determining her matches. Astra Sharma, I mean, I think she's capable. And then we've got this big batch, haven't we? Inglis. Daria Saville, let's put her into another category. Daria will be back inside the top 100 this year. Sanders, Gadecki's got some upside, but uh, it looks like the boat might have sailed for uh, maybe some of our women. We'll take a break. We'll come back. All thanks to Yarra Tennis Coaching at Eaglemont Tennis Club, just off the Eastern Freeway, junior and adult programs available. So Shane Scrutney's a beauty over uh, 30 years coaching experience, uh, whose mission is simply to improve your game, whether you're a complete beginner or a serious player. Check out yarratennis.com.au. We'll come back and wrap up. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B-Solar advisor. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve. Your home of tennis. Look on for us to finish off uh, tonight. We've been discussing UTR quite a bit the last uh, six weeks. A lot of correspondence on air, off air. A couple of parents. Um, I've been following the First Serve podcast for about uh, two years. It's been very beneficial from a non-playing parent perspective as I've learned a lot. Thank you. I'm finding the UTR interviews very interesting. It's good to listen to opinions from different perspectives. I'm from regional New South Wales and would like to share my views Uh, which could be constructed with the show. Country families always had to travel to tournaments. It was given and acceptable. We did mostly for um, match play, improving our ranking and social reasons. In Australian ranking times, Metro families also had to do some travel, which made it uh, more fair for all involved. In UTR era, Metro families have no need to travel, which makes the fair gap large part. When country families travelled, we knew our kids would get plenty of match practice. Australian ranking draws were larger with more rounds in main draw and consolation. Players uh, participated in more events. Juniors would play in B grade and opens. In the UTR era, draws have a maximum 32 players, which offers a lot less uh, playable rounds. And uh, B grade events are no longer beneficial for UTR as opponents could be adults with a low UTR. The monetary investment 
and time away from home is the same, but the volume of matches played is much lower. Players now need a large volume of matches to increase their UTR. Meaningful UTR matches are less available in country areas as there are less players with higher UTR and Metro players are not travelling to the regions. It is now more difficult for country kids to qualify for nationals in the Australian ranking era. A player needed eight strong results in tournaments in the UTR era. Uh, players need 50 to 100 matches to increase one UTR band. So that's a perspective from a parent. I've got a few more which I'll read out on the show uh, next week. Um, keep your correspondence coming in. The first serve SEN at gmail.com. That longer correspondence regarding UTR. We'll continue to touch on that. All thanks to Hume Tennyson Community Centre. It's a mini Melbourne park in Melbourne's north, which is tennis for everyone. Perfect also for coaches and players. If you're coming from interstate to train and compete, close to Melbourne Airport, accommodation available. Find out more at humetennis.com.au. Thefirstserve.com.au. Read to your heart's content this week. Talk to you next Monday. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.